Chapter 15 of The Life of Philip Melanchthon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley, Llano County, Texas, USA. The Life of Philip Melanchthon by Carl Friedrich Lederhose. Translated by Gottlob Frederick Kotel, eighteen twenty six to nineteen o seven. Chapter fifteen Recreation and Trouble. After the completion of this work, Melanchthon felt desirous of carrying out a plan of a journey for recreation, which he had formed a long time before. Whither did he wish to go? to no other place but his home he therefore on the seventeenth of july fifteen thirty six addressed a petition to the elector quote, i would in all humility inform your electoral grace that there are some matters in which my poor children are also concerned which i ought to settle with my brother and which cannot be done through other persons or by letter in addition to this magister camerarius who is now dangerously ill has expressed a strong desire to see me i would therefore humbly pray your grace to grant me and magister militius whose father has earnestly entreated him to visit him leave of absence to visit our homes for about five weeks quote. footnote Melitius was a physician to whom he was particularly attached on account of his professional skill, devoted friendship, and literary taste. He was a native of Freiburg, and for a series of years led a useful and eminent course of public life at Wittenberg. Cam Life of Mel in Cox In footnote Already on the following day, he and Religius received a gracious permission from the elector, and also at the same time permission to make use of a one-horse carriage belonging to the elector. But when he was about to depart, important difficulties arose which made it necessary to postpone his intended journey. Pope Paul III who had ascended the papal chair at the death of clement the seventh seemed to be in earnest about summoning a general council of the church the emperor had held the opinion since fifteen thirty that a general council must be held if harmony was to be restored to germany but pope clement was never in earnest in the matter and even the papal nuncio paul Vergerius, seems only to have gone to wittenberg in order to deceive but now it had a different appearance pope paul had already published a bull june second fifteen thirty six calling a council to meet at mantua on the twenty third of may of the following year but it offered no hopeful prospect for it said among other things quote, not only to exterminate all heresy and error from the vineyard of the lord and to improve the morals of the christian church by such holy and awesome medicine 
but also to effect a general peace and unity among all Christian believers, and to reconquer our kingdom and lands by a general crusade against the unbelievers. End quote. It proceeds in the same tone. The Lutherans could not generally rejoice in a council which was to accomplish such things. It was generally reported at this time that a papal nuncio would come to Saxony, and it was of importance to know how he was to be received. We may easily understand that the elector was not disposed to meet him in the most friendly manner. However, he requested the opinions of the divines and jurists in Wittenberg. They replied that it would only be possible to consent to a council under certain conditions. Let us hear what principles were expressed in Melanchthon's opinion. He thought that it would be best if the council could be prevented, for the Pope evidently had no other intention than to condemn the Protestants that they had a perfect right to protest against the council, but as they had continually appealed to such an one, it would now bring disgrace upon the Protestants if they should fly from it. Neither he nor the other Wittenbergers would permit the Pope to be judge in this general council of the church. However, the elector differed altogether from the temperate views expressed in these opinions. He held that the council summoned by the Pope was neither a free nor general one, and that it ought not to be attended to. He even thought that an opposition council should be called, in which nothing should be transacted, quote, but what is founded in divine and holy scripture and drawn up in accordance with it. While matters were in this state, Melanchthon began his journey August 23rd with Professor Millich, who wished to visit his home, Freiburg, in the Brisgau. They passed through Frankfurt and Breton to Tübingen, where his most faithful friend Camerarius had received an appointment a year before. We may easily imagine what a cordial reception he met with here. From Tübingen, he wrote to Millage, quote, By God's grace, Joachim is now quite well. Oh, that it might be of long duration. I was received in the most friendly manner. Quote. He remained three weeks in Tübingen and could scarcely separate himself from Camerarius and therefore remarks in a letter that he would rather be with his Joachim than anywhere else. Quote, but I do not see how I can separate myself from those with whom I have hitherto associated. Quote. He thus again declined the renewed invitation of Duke Ulrich of Württemberg to accept a professorship there. The learned from every quarter came to Tübingen to see and to converse with Melanchthon. When these were assembled at a dinner upon a certain occasion in the house of Riggio, Melanchthon asked the preacher Zell of Strasbourg what he thought of the Lord's Supper. He honestly replied, quote, When God the Lord permitted me to arrive at a knowledge of his holy gospel, 
I never believed, taught, and preached otherwise in regard to the Lord's Supper, but that the true body and the true blood of Jesus Christ, my Savior, are offered to all those who receive and partake of the Lord's Supper. But as for believing that I must receive the body and blood in the Lord's Supper, substantial eater, essential leader, realitor, natural eater, presential eater, local eater, corporal eater, transubstantial eater, quantitative, qualitative, ubiquitous eater, carnal eater, I believe the devil has brought these words from hell. Christ simply said, This is my body, this is my blood. End quote. Melanchthon replied, in a pleasant manner, quote, You have given a correct answer. End quote. On the 14th of October, he went to Nürtingen and there consulted with the Duke about the arrangement of the university. From this place, he wrote an encouraging letter to the professors of the university, in which he assures them that the Duke entertained the kindest feelings towards the university and looked upon it as one of the most important institutions of the state. The Duke commissioned Melanchthon to write to Brenz at Hall to induce him to accept a professorship in the university. Melanchthon discharged this honorable duty on the 17th of October. He entreated Brenz in the most earnest manner, in the name of the Duke, to accept of the appointment at least for one year, until a suitable person could be found. Yea, he conjured him for the sake of Christ and the good of the Church, and said that he would go himself if the elector of Saxony would suffer him to go for a time. But, he adds, quote, I cannot preach, and therefore would be of little use in such a situation. End quote. Renz actually accepted the call and received the permission of his government for this purpose. The Duke dismissed Melanchthon in the most friendly manner and presented him with one hundred gold florins. He journeyed through Göppingen and Elwangen to Nuremberg, where a circle of devoted friends resided, such as Baumgartner, Ebner, Dietrich, Roting, Osiander, and others. A dispute concerning private confession was carried on here at this time. Andrew Osiander was involved in it, he adhered to this ancient and established custom of the church, whilst others maintained that forgiveness of sins was to be sought in preaching, in the general confession, and in the sacrament. Osiander granted that forgiveness was also granted in preaching, but did not wish the servant of Christ immediately to say, I absolve thee from thy sins without knowing who should be bound and who absolved. He feared confusion because the wicked man might thus falsely comfort himself with absolution, and he called this absolution juggling. Against this last, Melanchthon declared himself in writing and verbally, for he understood very well that absolution, quote, 
is effectual to those who receive it with true faith and comfort themselves with it, although others are present to whom the absolution does not apply. These, however, are reminded and excluded by the condition of repentance. It was, however, also his opinion that efforts should be made to re-establish private confession more and more in future. At the same time, he modestly suggests that others also, quote, who have more knowledge, end quote, should give their opinion in this manner. From Nuremberg, he wrote to Camerarius and revealed his troubles in regard to these disputes, quote, Oh, that this evil might be remedied. I am oppressed and consumed by private and public cares. Therefore, I so earnestly long for your company with whom I somewhat refreshed myself. I am most painfully troubled about these disputes, by which, as is very evident, churches and states are rent. Therefore we will withdraw from all such disputes, and devote all our zeal to the education of youth, and to form their judgment, so that, as much as possible, we may provide for posterity. I shall exert myself more and more to instill moderate and useful principles into the minds of the young and to restrain them from such foolish disputes. While he was thus pouring forth his sorrows, he himself was threatened with a great trial in Wittenberg. A preacher named Conrad Cordatus of Nimec, a zealous adherent of Luther, had been present at a lecture delivered by Kruciger towards the end of July 1536. In this, Kruciger expressed the opinion that in the article of justification, good works are the condition without which we cannot be saved. Cordatus was greatly and properly shocked at this, for such a form of expression was totally opposed to the doctrine of the Lutheran Church. In the following month, he wrote to Kruciger to call him to account on account of this wrong doctrine. The professor did not reply. Cordatus wrote again, threatening that he would not be silent until he should hear a recantation of this heresy. If this should not be done, he would apply to the theological faculty for a decision. He also said that there were many trifling theologians in Wittenberg who would rather read and hear the dead Erasmus than the living Luther. Now Kruciger replied and defended his views. On the 17th of September, Cordatus came to Wittenberg and visited Kruciger. He here heard that what he had read concerning the Gospel of John was the work of Melanchthon who, as Ratzeberger relates, in a manner composed their lectures for the professors. Quote, for no labor was distasteful to Philip, and he served every one cheerfully. End quote. The next day Cordatus went to Luther and presented the whole matter to him. Luther replied, quote, You are not the first to inform me of this. Michael Stiefel and Amsdorf have already asked me about it. It is not known how much more was spoken and resolved, 
although it seems that Luther labored to suppress the difficulty. Melanchthon's journey of recreation was not a little embittered, for he received the news of this occurrence in Wittenberg. Even while yet upon the road, he found it necessary to write to Luther, Hugenhagen, Jonas, and Kluchiger, in which he at length justifies his manner of teaching. He says, quote, I never wished, and in this particular point of dispute, I have never taught anything else but what you all together unite in teaching. Quote. He declared that many had fallen into the opinion, especially on account of this proposition, quote, we are justified by faith alone, end quote, that we are justified by the new life or the gifts communicated to us. Hence arose the question, if we are only acceptable by grace, wherefore is the new life required? Although he highly praised good works, he yet distinctly states that they are neither the price nor the merit of eternal life. He prayed for Christ's sake that they should be convinced concerning him that he had taught thus with the best intentions and not on account of stubbornness of opinion. He had never wished to hold opinions different from their own, and if they wished to make him suspected and estranged, he would rather remove far away from them. Cordatus already circulated the report that Melanchthon would return to Wittenberg no more. But on the 5th of November, a few days after his letter, he arrived, and almost the first thing he did was to write a friendly and conciliatory letter to his accuser, in which he reminds him of old friendship and says that he should have spoken to him first of all if he found anything reprehensible in him. He concludes thus, quote, This cause in which we are engaged is not our own, but Christ's, whose glory I truly desire to serve. End quote. Cordatus had raised considerable excitement, which spread even to the court of the elector. Towards the end of December, Cordatus referred the decision of this matter to Jonas, then rector of the university, who had already besought him to desist from the accusation. Another event, however, put a stop to this disagreeable matter for the present. End of chapter 15